0: Inflammation is all around us today and the center of the wheel in most chronic disease. Calming down inflammation is the road to healing. In today's episode, we will answer three questions. How do inflammation and sleep influence each other? How would you know if you have more serious inflammatory conditions? How do we begin to to calm down inflammation. Dr. Achina Stein is an Amazon International best-selling author of What If It's Not Depression? Your guide to finding answers and solutions. She is a board-certified psychiatrist and has been in practice for 25 years. She is a certified practitioner of the Institute of Functional Medicine a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and was awarded the Exemplary Psychiatrist Award in 2008. Let's get started. Hey everyone I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine practitioner, author in New Guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast The only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Achina Stein, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast and it's a pleasure to have you and I know that you have a lot of work in the area of mental health and depression, functional medicine, looking at inflammation and um, a lot of people talk about sleep hygiene and um, I think I was all the more fascinated when you spoke to me which resonated so much with what i believe in is that there can be so many underlying root causes for why someone's not sleeping it's quite hard to just say you need to sleep there's so much going on and it's so different in each of us so i really like to Get to the roots of this by looking at bioindividuality. How do you unearth what's going on in each person that's preventing their sleep? And probably the best space to begin that is by t- looking into inflammation. What's triggering inflammation in each of us? Uh, but what got you into this space? Have you had your own personal health challenges? Someone in the family, perhaps. What got you into functional
1: medicine? Well, yeah, what got into functional medicine was my experience with my son. So I'm a board certified psychiatrist and I, um, you know, was a traditional, very traditional psychiatrist, you know, seeing patients, you know, for, uh, 30 minute sessions and, uh, primarily using, uh, medications to, uh, manage their symptoms and, uh, I, you know, I I did spend time, I'm also a psychotherapist, so I do spend time looking at the biology, the psychology, and the social uh, um, uh, issues that surround a person's life and affect their mental health as well. Um, But I never really connected at that time the physiology or how the body functions on a day-to-day basis uh, with mental health issues until... Uh, my son, uh, at the age of fourteen, had significant uh, and all of a sudden, overnight, um, mental health issues of depression and anxiety. Um, and uh, it was when he uh, had uh, to be put on literally four medications pretty rapidly to stabilize him, uh, and found that my, you know, that he was just not the same person <laughs> at all. Uh, so that experience of having a you know a, a child uh, being put on four medications that improved his symptoms you know clearly made him safer uh, you know he was uh, at the when all of this happened he was suicidal but when the medications were added he was no longer suicidal and he was a little bit be- better in depression but uh, he needed to have medications for sleep specifically for attention specifically, for anxiety specifically, not just the depression, and uh, but he wasn't the same. He was having all sorts of side effects. He wasn't functioning as as he used to prior to this event. And the big question for me was, well, why did this happen? <laughs> like, and why, why at that moment? So, you know, despite knowing that we have a family history on both sides, it was a comp, uh, uh, it was, a number of events that came together over time that caused his immune system. And this is what I realized later, obviously it didn't, but I had put this together after much research because when he was on these medications and there were no other options in my mind, I started doing more research about like, what can I do differently to help him so that he is functioning better, but also in the long run, not needing not needing to be on medications for the rest of his life. And that was one of those moments as a psychiatrist that made me think, oh my gosh, what have I been doing all these years, (laughs) right? So, um, you know, long story short, he, uh, I took him to a functional medicine doctor. Um, At the time, I had no idea what functional medicine was. I just happened to serendipitously in my research, you know, come upon this field of medicine and, um, and he was found to have celiac disease. He was malnourished. Uh, despite eating plenty of good food, <laughs> he wasn't eating the right foods. Um, and he was inflamed because of the, some of the foods that he was eating. And, uh, you know, he just had the typical standard American diet, the sad diet, uh, and not uh, getting the nutrients that his brain needed. Um, and he was going through puberty. So it was puberty that really caused his body to tilt, um, despite having clearly inflammation, at least later I realized in retrospect, since he was a baby. um, He had severe eczema, severe constipation, and uh, he had a a motor restlessness um, that we we were never able to explain. So, um, and it wasn't just, you know, an antsy kid. He would just, for example, an example of this motor restlessness would be, he'd suddenly stand up at the dinner table and not know why, you know, he'd suddenly bend over and not know why it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't just playing around or being antsy or yeah, it was, so he had this motor movement. That was never explained, and so these, uh, in retrospect, are definitely signs of inflammation in the body and toxicity in the body from a very very young age. So, um, so when we see kids that have eczema and constipation, we at least I thought, well, this is just his normal. He's constipated, and he's going to have to struggle with this where I mean, he has eczema and that's just it. And, you know, uh, fortunately I didn't give him laxatives all his life. Uh, you know, we just managed it as best as we could. Um, and we would put creams on his body, you know, so we managed it. Um, but we never looked at, well, what's causing this in the first place, right? Where, Where is this coming from? So the connection to food is so important. It's so important to talk about Food and how food can cause inflammation. It was clearly the gluten. And we also found that dairy and soy were problematic for him and that he really, once those things were removed from his uh, diet, those two things, the eczema and the constipation completely went away within weeks to a month, completely. Um, And his mental health issues improved, but because the brain is so sensitive that that took much, much longer. But the start was absolutely with food.
0: Wow, Dr. Stein. And I'm just, I just would love for you to first tell us how's your son today and uh, what was that journey like? And then we can probably start to look into how do you do your work in looking into bio individuality and understanding sleep challenges in somebody? Sure.
1: Yeah. So, you know, he actually has had his ups and downs. And so when he uh, did this work with the functional medicine practitioner, after two years, his depression and anxiety completely went away. He was able to come off of all of his medications um, and was doing quite well. The there was, I, I didn't mention that there was one symptom that he had that made me really search for, um, other alternatives and the symptom was diplopia, also known as double vision. And that's what made me think there's gotta be something else going on here. Otherwise, I think if you just, you know, I I feel like that is a symptom that made me think, okay, this is more than just our family history coming, you know, to the forefront, the the double vision. And so it took two years, uh, uh, about two years for the double vision to go away. Um, so, the neurological and the psychiatric symptoms t- certainly took longer. Um, but by the end of two years, he was completely off of all medications, sleeping well. His mood was a lot better, uh, and no anxiety, um, and sleeping, you know, so off of all four medications and doing really well. Um, but then he went to college and our university, you know, and, uh, you know, you start eating the wrong foods again, being up late at night, you know, partying, drinking, you know, and then the stress of school alone, being in school and all of the exams, you know, he definitely went backwards. um, And uh, by the time he came home from university, he definitely uh, had some work to do. (laughs) but he didn't need to take any medications, which was the good thing. Um, and so, you know, he's had his challenges, uh, which really speaks to, and I'm, and some of my patients who have worked with me feel great after they do the work, but it's really important to maintain habits and, and find ways to continue the journey of maintaining habits. It's when those habits fall to the wayside that things kind of return back to where you started, uh, but not, not so, not so severe, not, not all the way to the back, but the beauty of functional medicine is that, you know, it worked, you know, it worked to get you back on track. And uh, that's really what's most important. And it's for that reason why I have my patients work with a health coach. It's so important to work with a health coach. So, yeah. So he's had his ups and downs <laughs> and probably still does because he's still young and, you know, uh, there's a point uh, and it's almost like having diabetes. you know when a when a child or a teenager has diabetes, right it's it's one of those things that you really have to manage and you know there's consequences to that if if you don't, right. And so it's learning about that and that's part of the journey.
0: I think that resonates so much with me, Dr. Gina, because as a mom, as a mom of another child with some, Uh, health challenges and self Uh, seeing this helplessness at times where you know that this is clearly going to be a trigger but sometimes you have to just hold your peace and let them learn it is and I think a lot of mothers would resonate with this so much Uh, And you're so right about maintaining because this is a lot of times that I've seen even clients themselves who come to me and who are so much better. And then one year down the line, they've let things go one by one and then gradually there's that shift back towards the old symptoms. And uh, then it's almost as if they reach a point where their mindset has also shifted back to the point where it's again a struggle to work their way through. So I think you made a key point about maintenance, but let's talk about what you typically... And I know this is a huge topic. So (laughs) uh, when we're looking at sleep and what could be the potential reasons for sleep challenges, but I'd love for us to take as deep a dive as possible beyond sleep hygiene, looking into inflammation, looking into the physiology.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, inflammation is a, a major Root cause, um, because it it really uh, it contributes. Sleep deficiency contributes to increased levels of inflammatory cytokines like IL six and TNF throughout the day, and you know there's also evidence that. Uh, Elevated levels of CRP and IL6 are associated with sleep impairment as well. So it's that's a bi-directional. I know you like to talk about how you know bidirectionally things are affected, but you know what is causing the inflammation? These you know you know it's not just IL6 and TNF. There's also elevated levels of CRP and NF kappa B. You know so these are like different molecules in the body that you know are um, is how inflammation on a molecular level uh, occurs. but what is actually causing the inflammation is important. and there's so many things um, starting from a, a very, very young age. And so even even uh, you know having a traumatic birth uh, and coming into the world can factor in because, and, and if, the, if the mother, while the child is in the womb is, is having stress at the time, her cortisol levels can affect the baby's cortisol levels. And so just coming out into the world, you can have elevated levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Um, so there is this thing called the, the ACE score, which is the adverse childhood events uh, score and it's due to um, having experiences of trauma or witnessing trauma in the household. Um, that's something that people can easily Google, um, but there are, are uh, a variety of, um, of factors that can affect your, that can cause that is, um, that uh, contribute or add up to the ACE score. And those factors are, um, in numerous things um, like um, uh, it's, um, I'm sorry, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, um, having mental illness in the household, um, having uh, witnessing um, the mother. Uh, being treated violently, divorced, being you know a child of parents who've been divorced, uh, being a child who's had a relative incarcerated and a substance abuse, and so those are ten variables that uh, were studied um, back in uh, uh, in the nineteen nineties, and um, that research was done over. Uh, uh, um, over 20,000, about 20,000 people in a system in a healthcare system. And they found that these um, these uh, ACEs is what they're they're called, um, increase health risks. And uh, so the point is, is that you can get an ACE score and find that uh, a score, they found that uh, a very high percentage of people with a score of four and above were um, at high risk of having chronic physical and mental health issues. And it's just from those experiences as a child. And so an A score can cause an increase of um, insomnia or sleep disturbance as well, just by the virtue of witnessing these things. And, you know, as an adult, those things might be over and in the past, but they absolutely can affect you physically and mentally. Uh, and you, it's not one of those things where you have, you're thinking about it day to, day after day after day. I've had patients that have said to me uh, that, you know, doc, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not even, you know, concerned about it. I feel like I've gotten over these things. And they might have mentally and emotionally, uh, when I say mentally, I mean cognitively and emotionally, but their body may not have gotten over, so to speak, gotten over the past. And so it's really important to connect to the body and, um, you know, and have this uh, bi-directional connection to your gut and the vagus nerve uh, and really remind the body in a, in uh, different ways. Um, and we can talk about those ways, but to remind the body, Hey, you know, the war is over, the trauma's over. Um, I'm, I'm basically over these things, you know, mentally, I know it's in the past. I know cognitively and emotionally I'm safe, but the body needs to be told that it's safe. And so it's really, really important to do certain, um, um, practices, um, beyond meditation and, uh, beyond breathing, uh, then, uh, to, to sort of settle the body down as well. And, um, so that's, that's one major thing that I actually search for with all of my patients. Um, and it's not just for insomnia or sleep disturbance, just, just looking for root causes of, all sorts of medical issues. Um, and so, but certainly people um, who have a high ACE score are gonna have uh, numerous issues, uh, not just depression and insomnia, but obesity and diabetes and uh, heart disease, cancer, or stroke. So it, it affects, uh, on, affects you in multiple ways, not just uh, depression and insomnia. And it's great, Dr. Achina, that you're
0: giving so much emphasis to this because just recently I've had so many clients come who've uh, witnessed their dad taking his own life or seeing a mom being abused or... I mean, there is so much. I think it's almost as if each one of us have had some form of trauma, maybe just the degree varies in each of us uh, also based upon maybe our own resilience. I don't know how our resilience plays out later based upon our races as well, uh, right? I mean, it can vary so much that today, why are two of us able to... Have different experiences to a very similar situation. And probably this all comes back to those ACEs. Uh, But I'd love for you to take us through because you did say we need something beyond meditation, beyond breathing to just calm the body down. We can come to that later, but if you could perhaps go into what are the other inflammatory root causes that you look for in someone who's having very severe sleep
1: issues? Sure, yeah. So, you know, we mentioned earlier when we were talking about my son's experience of food is, there are definitely foods beyond uh, just caffeine. Obviously everyone knows that caffeine that can cause, uh, significant sleep issues. Uh, in fact, caffeine can cause significant panic attacks as well. Uh, it's and it's amazing how much uh, there are so many uh, practitioners that don't ask about how much caffeine. They might say, "Oh yeah, I drink I drink coffee," um, but it's. I once had a patient who drank a whole pot of coffee every single day and had panic attacks. And just by slowly withdrawing um, uh, the caffeine uh, that suddenly the panic attacks are gone and they never made the connection. So, but there are lots of foods that if, it, if you're sensitive to certain foods, they, it can actually cause that inflammation in your body and it can then manifest as insomnia. It can manifest as other things as well. But if your Achilles heel is insomnia, then it'll manifest in that way. So if you just happen to be vulnerable in, in terms of sleep issues or depressive issues, then it can manifest as both at the same time. So foods are really important uh, to, uh, to work out. And there are also foods that you can eat that can help you sleep better as well. And um, so it's important to look at food Um, And and then I I do testing to determine if a person has certain pathogens in their body. Uh, Parasites are well known to cause uh, sleep disturbance and uh, insomnia because they're very active at night. Um, But there are other pathogens as well. Um, Just again, when there's Uh, any sort of pathogen, uh, whether it's a dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of your microbiome, you have opportunistic um, pathogens that can um, sort of settle into your gut, uh, different areas of your gut that can interfere uh, in the immune uh, response and also your immune system is trying to control them, eliminate them. So there's this little war going on in your body that can, you know, again, cause your your immune system to activate you and then it translates to insomnia uh, or depression and or depression and other symptoms. So uh, so foods, infections, toxins, there are uh, numerous toxins. And I think, you know, most people look at environmental toxins obviously as pesticides and, you know, what you're exposed to uh, you know, in the home, uh, there are at least in the United States, I don't know if it's true in, in India, but uh, in, in the United States, the home, you know, is pr- probably the most toxic environment because if you keep the windows closed and you don't ventilate the area and you have all sorts of chemicals in your bedding, in your carpets, in your curtains, all the things that you spray into the air, Uh, at some point that does accumulate in your body because you're inhaling them, all the toxins that you put on your body, cosmetics and lotions and suntan lotion and mosquito repellent, all of these can add up at some point where your body is, it's a toxic burden to your body and it sometimes has difficulty eliminating those toxins and, and it can add up and again, activate your immune system and, uh, and affect you. So the goal would be to remove these toxins, act, help your, your liver and your kidneys to detoxify your system and your gut to detoxify and remove these things from your body more efficiently so that it's not activating your immune system. Um, and you know these toxins can absolutely affect your brain uh, at some point, depending on what they are. So foods, infections, toxins, and we talked about stress, but the one toxin that people don't really uh, notice uh, or really connect that I see over and over again, um, that uh, people don't necessarily connect the dots that can cause insomnia is mold. Uh, mold toxicity uh, is something that can creep up on you um, slowly. Uh, you, you don't, Some people have it uh, mold, like let's say in their basement and they think, oh, it's just in the basement. It's not up here on this level or the next level above. Uh, It's not affecting me. But if you have air conditioning or if you have certain ventilation pathways that allow for those mold spores to uh, be ventilated into the air, you're absolutely going to have mold toxicity. And so 25% of the population has certain genetic SNPs that make them more vulnerable to mold as well. So it could be just one person, let's say in the family or in the workplace that's affected just because of their vulnerability. And the other thing that I wanna mention as pathogens um, that people don't necessarily connect to insomnia and um, depression is, is Lyme, Lyme, Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses. Uh, I've actually, just from the way a person describes their symptoms and even their depression, I've been able to say, um, just because where I live <laughs> in Rhode Island, in the United States, it's uh, Lyme, Lyme disease is rampant. So I've seen enough people uh, that describe their symptoms in such a way and just understanding where, what, how they spend their time, where they spend their time outside, or if they have certain animals in their environment that, that oh, it's probably Lyme disease that's causing your depression. And sure enough, we test for it and, and it's positive for that. So there's, it's really, really important to get a detailed history and uh, really, really understanding how a person spends their days, their activities, what they do on the job, their exposures, really getting a very good uh, detailed history makes all the difference in the world. And sometimes you don't need to do uh, testing. And so I use testing to support my, my assessment, Uh, And uh, as opposed to sort of searching for a needle in the haystack kind of approach.
0: And Dr. Achina, you said that you've worked with enough people that now you're able to just identify when somebody has Lyme disease. And just recently I had a client in the US and between few sessions which spaced out over a month, he suddenly was diagnosed with Lyme disease and he was treated for it. But since you did talk about, I can just now know by somebody's symptoms Talk us through a little bit about what does that look like. So, how might somebody suspect that they have Lyme disease?
1: Well, you know, if they if it depends on how um, it depends on how they come to you and the symptoms that they have. So, for me, because I'm in mental health, uh, I I end up being sort of like the last resort, <laughs> so to speak. Um, because I only see patients who are, um, you know, have seen multiple providers already. So I actually have the advantage in a way by the time they come to see me, they've had already testing done. They've already done um, certain protocols that haven't worked. So, you know, it, it, from my standpoint, it is a process of elimination because so many things were "Quote unquote normal," you're normal and normal, 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 and you know. I have to say, it's good to to find that many things are normal. Uh, you know, it's good to, to find a, that you don't have serious diseases. Uh, because there are times where I will send someone to uh, have a colonoscopy or have an endoscopy just to rule out the serious things. And once you're sure that it isn't those serious things, then it's then you know that it's functional. And so I, you know, a lot of times people come to me very frustrated because they've had all these normal tests but I encourage them, it's like, well, no, that's really good. are <laughs> like, so you've had it all done and, and it's done out of the way. Now we know for sure that it's functional and more physiological. Um, and so I, um, when it comes to Lyme and, you know, and if they show up with depression, and they have joint joint pain is usually really common. So when they show up to me with this idea that they have this serious mental health problem, many times what happens is that no one is connecting the mental health issues and with the physical, and, you know they'll see doctors for physical reasons and then they'll see another doctor for the mental health reasons And their treatment is siloed. You know, it's it's separated out, and they haven't had the uh, the opportunity uh, to have someone look at all of those issues all at the same time. And so, you know, the person who's seeing them for the mental health issues doesn't know about the joint pain, and the person who sees them for the joint pain doesn't know that Lyme can cause depression, right? And so it's really looking at the compilation, but then uh, looking at how it's temporally related uh, as to when the symptoms came to the forefront. Like, oh, so when did the depression start? In July. When did the joint pain start? In July. What were you doing in July? Well, we were on vacation (laughs) and we went on a hike and uh, yeah, I did have a tick on me. And you know, like, it's just it sounds so simple, but unfortunately, these kinds of things just don't happen. There's no, and you know there's no connecting the dots between all the symptoms that a person might present with. And it comes down to having the time to gather all the puzzle pieces and the details of what's going on in that person's life. And unfortunately, the way at least our system is set up, It's set up for 10 to 15 minute sessions, and it's this decision tree to arrive at a diagnosis so that you can just give a pill for it, right? And it doesn't work that way for for chronic disease. It just doesn't work that way. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I think you just hit the nail right on the head. And the reason that I love to merge Ayurveda and functional medicine is that both of them believe in the interconnection of systems. Both of them are about connecting the dots. And you spoke about the separation between the mental health space and the physiological health space. But within the physiological health space itself, we've got brackets into gastroenterology and then there's uh, something else for reproductive so you've got the gynecologist you've got the gastroenterologist and then nobody's connecting the poor hormones to the poor gut health Um, it's it's just such an injustice to looking at somebody missing their story missing who they are in the totality of what's led up to today and you took us beautifully to that journey when you describe your sons uh, through the birth and how, how we're born, how babies can come into that high cortisol from trauma of the mother. And I can surely attest to that, Dr. Achina, because I had my son practically very soon after the first divorce. And that first marriage came with a lot of trauma and I can definitely look back today and feel that I wasn't in the best space that I should have been when I carried my son. I could probably have worked on myself and brought myself to a better space. And you took us through all of this beautifully. Now, I'd love for us to Talk about and spend some time because you did mention when we spoke about trauma that we need more than meditation and more than breathing, and we need a way for us to calm down that system. So, how do we begin to do that? Because I completely agree with you when you made that remark. I could feel myself smiling within because it's so hard to just sit down and meditate when your body's in
1: chaos. Right, right. So, I mean, there's there's multiple things that you can do and it's a matter of finding, it's trying all the things really and finding what works for you. Uh, so, I, you know, I want to encourage your audience to never give up on that. There's so many things um, that, that you can do. So, you know, movement is really, really important and move, finding ways where your body responds to movement. Uh, yoga is, um, is really, really important. And certainly there are some people who uh, can't do yoga <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, but there's, there are ways to modify different poses, um, but there, there's Qigong, Tai Chi, uh, so finding a rhythmic form of movement is really, really important. And, you know, that movement should always incorporate um, bi-directional uh, stimulation. So, uh, for example, one thing that, that you can do, um, it's called, you know, tapping. Um, there's, there's, there's havening. Havening is, you know, uh, responding, you know, basically stimulating this side as, and then this side you know, you're stimulating both sides of the body. There's tapping, um, there's uh, another word for tapping or a phrase for tapping is emotional freedom technique. So there's tapping that can happen on um, the meridian system of uh, like acupuncture. So there's, there's tapping points uh, that you can, different tapping patterns. So tapping here, 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 um, there's tapping points here. and then on the, on the right under the arm, uh, at the same level of your nipple, just behind the arm, there's a tapping point. There's tons of tapping points. you know there's different ways to tap. you can tap your fingers. So it's a matter of, of learning about tapping and then learning uh, learning in detail what is the right pattern for you. A great place to start is um, tapping solutions.com. Um, there's lots of videos on tapping. Uh, so tapping is a great way to calm the system down on some level. Um, there's vagal nerve stimulation, which can start with uh, gar- gargling, you know, gargling water. And it has to pretty be pretty, um, it's hard for people to do so, (laughs) but I think it's worth trying again, you know, gargling um, pretty aggressively in your throat um, several times a day. There's humming, uh, singing, um, and uh, things like drumming. Again, drumming is something, again, bi-directional stimulation. Um, And uh, so it's finding the, it's really, there's so many things but it's finding those things that can calm your system down. Um, the thing with w- the thing uh, that I I do for, with with people is energy healing. It's a type of energy healing where you can find uh, using psychotherapy as well as um, a combination of uh, breathing into chakras into your chakras. Uh, the root chakra, the sacral chakra, solar plexus, solar plexus specifically, those three chakras foundationally is really, really important. And um, so there, there are methods of getting to the root of some of these wounds that happened in ch- early childhood and, and adolescence that, you know, create this thread throughout your life. Um, that get triggered and can activate a lot of the emotions and uh, physical feelings that you might have had during those times uh, at an earlier period of your life. So, you know, setting an intention and working through those childhood wounds, specifically using your breath and energy healing, specifically addressing those wounds. Really makes a difference because it's almost like you, you're snipping, uh, you're snipping this thread that can, you know, uh, affect the rest of your life. <laughs> um, so, uh, as an example, um, uh, as an example, if you were judged uh, by a, a parent and then judged, uh, you know, that judgment was then extended to teachers and then. And then your, your partner and then your friends, and then your boss, you know, you see this thread of throughout your life. If you can, you know, sort of use meditation, a combination of meditation, energy, healing, breath work, and address that judgment in your child's self at that very early age where it first began, it can actually be a ripple effect throughout your life and really resolve a lot of uh, issues that can affect yourself in the present. So it's a, you know, people might say, well, that's what psychotherapy does. And I disagree. It does do it to a point, but only on a cognitive level. And, you know, helps you to understand why things happened and kind of put things in perspective. But, uh, and maybe emotionally you might settle down, but if you have things that keep happening again and again and again throughout your life, and it's the same theme over and over again, despite doing all of that psychotherapy and emotional work, it's, it really helps to do this deeper work of childhood wound healing, using a combination of things. You know, um, and so sometimes people are not able to settle themselves physically uh, because, believe it or not, you know, physically for meditation, because believe it or not, meditation opens up that window of uncomfortableness that is connected to those childhood wounds. So it's almost like a protection, you know. So you're you're protecting yourself by not doing the meditation by keeping those doors shut. <laughs> but if you have a method to settle the body um, as well as the mind, then you can slowly move in the direction of opening that doors those doors in a safe way, so that there's like they're, it's dealt with completely for good. Yeah, so I don't know how much you followed that. But, oh yes, but in
0: fact, I was it's, it's just waiting really to. Work. I was waiting to interrupt you because <laughs> I was going to appreciate that. Uh, it's rare to see somebody who's so holistic and who brings in the science, who brings in other subtler aspects of energy healing and I think it's rare to have that combination in many cases and I think your patients are very lucky Dr. China. And, um, and I know you spoke a lot about tapping we did an entire episode on EFT we did another episode on marma points from Ayurveda using tapping on marma points so uh, there are some great episodes on that, but I know that we're almost out of time. I want to respect your time. Are there any final words you'd love to share with us today after a potent conversation as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I. You know, I want everyone who's uh, listening to this to uh, know that, you know, there there's always hope and to keep searching if you haven't found and, and to not let, um, you know, not let one person uh, sort of shut you down and think that it's the end of the road, you know, because everyone, including doctors are limited in their knowledge, I'm limited, I don't know everything, you know? And so uh, I think it's important to know that, you, to, to keep searching and finding uh, that one person or a series of people to work with, Uh, while you're on that journey to regain your health, mental health or physical health and or physical health.
0: Absolutely. And I think saying, I don't know, but still being willing to help clients and patients by holding their hand and Helping them even on the search for a team, I think that's the way we can be the very best practitioner. That totally resonated with me. Thank you for your time, Dr. Achina. It was a pleasure having you
1: here today. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun talking to you and I wish you well. And where
0: can people get their hands on your book? I know that I'd like to read about your book.
1: Sure. You can go to amazon.com. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, I have um, a print version, a Kindle version, and an audiobook as well. Uh, the Kindle version is uh, going to be, uh, it was taken down uh, for some strange reason. And now I'm g- going to be putting it back up in the next few weeks. Uh, so, uh, but it, Amazon's probably the best place to get it my book
0: and where can people um, and, learn about your work especially i mean there's so many aspects to your work so where's the best place
1: well really uh instagram and youtube i have a youtube channel called what if it's not depression the name of my book is what if it's not depression your guide to finding answers and solutions and so i do have a companion program online program that people can do on their own um it's a do-it-yourself program that is a companion program to the book but i also have the youtube channel by the same ta- same name sorry uh same name what if it's not depression with dr achina stein and i have my own uh there's over 50 episodes at this point on that channel
0: and i know those are great conversations so i'd encourage everyone to go take a listen
1: right yes
0: In this episode, Dr. Achina Stein walked us through the sleep and inflammation connection, leaving us with several tools to begin with. If you were to ask me for the top way you can begin to calm down inflammation, there is no doubt in my mind that I would tell you to work on calming down the nervous system. Begin with one practice daily. Be mindful, intentional and consistent. It could be sitting in your bed at night for 5 minutes, practicing alternate nostril breathing. I even have a guided practice for you. Scroll down episodes and you'll see it. It's bound to make a big difference. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.